When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Bears Brothers podcast and postgame show, the place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready, because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. We're taking a quick break out of our weekly schedule for a special edition of the show. As you're well aware, the season is now halfway over, and our Bears, of course, are 5-3, and three, leading the NFC North through eight games. So what grade would we give this team? What about each position? Where are the areas of improvement that Chicago must sure up in order to make a serious run at the playoffs? And speaking of the postseason, do we anticipate the Bears actually making an appearance? We're going to answer all that and more in today's midseason report card episode. Now, I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and to assist me with grading our beloved Bears, I'm joined by two of my Bears brothers, Brandon Hazlett and Nicholas Moriano. I know you guys were just recording our weekly audio mailbag. How goes it, guys? Eh, I've been <laughs> hacking up my left lung uh, since we ended the mailbag recording, so this will be interesting to see how this goes. I'm glad you have two. Me too. That's always great to have you know, two lungs, and I'm glad you're here, Brandon, and not dying well you are dying but you're living on the podcast i, I guess yes <laughs> <laughs> so that's great to hear it's going to be a slow painful death over the next hour or so for brandon I basically <laughs> all right well you guys ready to grade this team i'm very excited yeah let's, let's do it. i think we i think highly of this team so let's see what grades we do give out exactly and let's go ahead and the first half of our show is going to focus on the bears offense at the midway point of the season the offense ranks 21st in passing seventh in rushing uh, 17th overall in terms of yards, but they're fifth in scoring and they're middle of the pack 16th in turnovers. And let's go ahead and begin with quarterback Mitchell Trubisky. And for the year, his stat line looks like this. Uh, 1,949 yards, a 64% completion percentage, 16 touchdowns to seven interceptions, and a pass rating of 96.1. And I have even mentioned um, his 300 plus rushing uh, you know, yards so far this year. So it's hard not to be excited by the early results that uh, Trubisky's having under Matt Nagy and this new system. So here we go. Time to break out those red pens. Our first grade, Nick, what grade do you give Trubisky after eight games? Okay, after eight games, just taking into account everything he's done, where the Bears are at, first on top of the NFC North, I'm going to give him a B-. minus. Maybe this is a little low. Um, harsh. Uh, harsh, yes. It, it is a little harsh. But let's take into account um, what Mitch Trubisky has done this season. And you already allude to all the stats. Um, but he still has missed some throws this season. Obviously, being a new offense with new weapons, it's going to happen. And just some of the throws that you kind of think of when the big time misses against the Seahawks, that big miss throw to Taylor Gabriel. We don't know what that play could have been because it was never complete. It wasn't even close. The verse, uh, it was against um, Miami. 
when we were in Miami, the, uh, the very first series, Trubisky misses a wide open Anthony Miller stretching right down the middle of the field. That could have been a touchdown. So there's been questionable passes. Mechanics have been off. That's led to his accuracy being not what we want it to be at this point in the season. Decision making at times. But he's also made a ton of great plays. So I, I'm not going to just you know harp on Mitch Trubisky for the bad. He's throwing to open open people now. We saw the Tampa Bay game uh, that throw to Allen Robinson, that corner route. I think it's still his best throw of the season. He's missed on some of the plays that he missed earlier in the season. He's now making those throws. And against pressure, against the Bills, even last week, a third and 15 hitting Trey Burton for 26 yards, that's great. So factor all that in there and being only 24 years old, and he's ahead of a, he, I think he's ahead of schedule, but he's had some bad, and now he's got to clean that up. The accuracy issues are the biggest thing. So I have to give him a B minus. Interesting. See, I'm not nearly as harsh because I remember just how gun shy he was a year ago, just how much he struggled. And for me, I'm going to give him a B, but a B plus because I'm on the flip side here because, and I think this is a fair grade because Nick, you mentioned it hasn't been perfect. He's missed some throws. He's had some issues with his accuracy and consistency, but I'm really not expecting any perfection from the kid right now because he's done a lot of things right. And you know, we we know this. He's made some excellent throws this year, and I think we've seen him grow as a quarterback and a player in the system. Just remember what we saw at training camp early on. The early results were not pretty, um, but he's grown so much in this system, and he's playing confident. He's not afraid to push the ball downfield, and you see some of the small things starting to come out, like adjusting his cadence mid-game to draw an opponent off sides. You know, that's savvy play. That's veteran, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, qualities right there and he's also been super effective on the ground second in the league in terms of rushing yards from a quarterback and he has had issues with pressure in his face but we saw him you know if you watched that buffalo game you saw him actually doing a little bit of a better job with some pressure so he's he's growing he's learning and the reason that i'm actually very high on him so far is the fact that he hasn't done anything to lose his games because the plays that you mentioned, besides the Miami one with the, one of the very first series, I'm looking at New England, I'm looking at Miami, and I'm looking at Green Bay. We were in a position to win each one, but honestly, it was the defense that let us down more than times than not those weeks, not Trubisky. So for me, I'm giving him a B plus, and I'm very excited to see what he can do now with the second half of the year. But what about you, B? You have a B minus. You have a B plus. Are you going to split the difference? I do have a B. Minus. I'm I'm on board with Nick here. I think when you take everything into account, I mean, he's an above average quarterback, but he's, I don't think I'm quite ready to put him into that next group. He's definitely improved. He's definitely getting there. Uh, But just from these first eight weeks uh, with a new head coach, uh, new players around him, new offensive coordinator. I mean, we seen he was overwhelmed early on. His mechanics were off because he didn't quite have his pocket awareness, you know, down to a T when he's going up against uh, Cleo Mack for that first week going into green Bay. Uh, I'd be a little shaky, too, even though he's not on the, the opposing Green Bay side, thankfully. Uh, I'd still be shaky because I just had to face him in practice, so my clock would go a little bit faster. Uh, but, I mean, we've seen him improve in the confidence. We've seen him you know, make some pretty dang good throws. Uh, the one to Allen Robinson uh, in triple coverage early on in that Miami game, he missed it. But that's a tight window, and he put it only where Allen Robinson was going to get it. So he has been able to sh- step up in the pocket show the confidence to be able to make those throws. And he's missed some, like Nick touched on. I won't... Uh, won't highlight those again because he already did it. We don't want to relive those. Uh, but, you know, to, to cap this uh, discussion, I think, on Mitch, he's, he's an above-average guy, still leaves some plays on the field. He's not perfect. He's not quite a top-tier guy yet, but he improves each and every week, uh, shows those veteran savvy moves like changing his cadence, like Will mentioned earlier. And I think we see him succeed more times than not. I'm just not quite ready to put him into the next uh, grade level quite yet. He's and you on know pace for 32 touchdowns this year, guys. And that's just through the air. When's the last time you saw that from Bears quarterback? 
oh, never, but we're we're comparing Bears quarterbacks, which is not the best <laughs> thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the best thing to do. But here's the thing, though. what With Mitch Trubisky, we weren't really expecting him to be perfect anyway at this point in the season. No way. This is a new offense. Right. It's not supposed to happen. And I think that's where a lot of these national media guys, just they're assessing him right now for what he is. And that's not how you should go about it. It's what he can be with Matt Nagy moving forward. They're taking that out of the equation. So, Bill, the Bill Barnells, Michael Lombardi's, and Brady Quinn's of the world, they, they're only assessing what he's doing now, and he definitely can get better. So keep that into account. This is not just a one-year thing. Look for 2019, 2020 down the road. He's already a lot further than I would have thought he was at this point in the season. Oh, he's already absolutely. putting up the numbers. He's already putting up the numbers. So he's going to continue to make progress, and that's what's important. He's actually doing that, and what other people, those outside people are saying, I want to give it too much because, again, what are they watching? Highlights, and they're seeing these missed throws and interception and whatnot. Trubisky's getting better, and it, it, he's in a good spot right now. He's only going to get better. And to justify, I think, Nick and I's grade, it also depends where you would put him class-wise as far as other quarterbacks in the league. Because that was what my assessment of him was based on as of right now. So no, just to uh, kind of justify that a little bit. It's a B plus, And if you need any more reasoning, uh, just look at the Dicka. You know, the, the not the outfit, but the, not the costume. He just dresses legendary. <laughs> I think that one by himself, that, that bumps up the grade just a couple points here. But let's go ahead and look at the running back position. Jordan Howard. He has 526 total yards, 439 of which came on the ground and five touchdowns. While Tariq Cohen, he has 635 total yards and four touchdowns. Obviously two different backs, but if you had to combine them and hand out an overall grade for this position, uh, what would you give him? And Brandon, you're up first. I'm going to give this position a, a B plus because we've seen Jordan Howard improve in his pass catching from a year ago. He only has 11 receptions, but regardless, I don't know that he's dropped one or at least a very noticeable one like we did see him last year. I wish that, you know, Matt Nagy would use him a little bit better, like in red zone situations. We kind of talked about it on the mailbag here about an hour ago, how I wish that he would just, you know, when it's first and goal or whatever goal situation is just, Pound it in there with him. Let's just get it in the end zone. Let's quit playing games. Don't be, be so cute. Same in short yardage situations. I would like to see that play call and get a little bit more aggressive. Uh, pound it to him. We have the guy that can do it. Jordan Howard can absolutely do that. Uh, so I'd like to see him not get cute with it. But overall, I mean, Jordan Howard, uh, Nick actually has me convinced uh, that his success rate compared to previous years, like it looks worse this year than it does in previous years because he's not being used the same way. But his success rate uh, is higher than previous years he doesn't look like the thousand yard rusher but he's having more success on the ground so uh nick had me convinced on jordan howard actually being a better back uh with that discussion in the mailbag and Tariq cohen he's just a great all-purpose back uh, he's a very good receiver as we've seen uh very good pawn piece he gets moved uh, in pre-snap motions all the time and it's great to see how defenses adjust because it helps mitch be able to read the the defense as well and outside of Miami, where he fumbled that ball, he's had a pretty doggone year this this year. So I, I really like this group. I've given him a B, a B plus. All right. For me, I'm actually giving them a B. I would give them a B plus, but uh, I haven't got quite there yet. And actually, at first, I did have B minus, but I started to think about it. And when you combine these two backs, they have nearly 10 scores and over 1,000 yards between them. And that's only through eight games. I mean, that's very effective. And I'm unsure how you can find much really wrong with that. And most, I think, and I'm included in this, we're a little upset by the lack of a true running game, but Jordan Howard, he has been trending you know, towards some career lows, and it's something that you don't want to see in a year three. Um, and again, the only thing I think we all can agree with is that sometimes we wish we can see 
uh, just a little bit more out of Howard. And that's going to be his big time runs because he only has one run so far this year of 20 plus, which came against the Jets. And he's averaged about seven of those types of runs in his first two years. And he's only had one so far. And for Tariq Cohen, of course, he's extremely valuable, especially as a receiver. He leads the team at 13.1 yards per catch. He's second in receptions with 31, and he accounts for nearly 40% of the team's yards after the catch this season. For me, I'm giving them a B, uh, just in terms of we don't have a true run game with them right now. But in terms of their overall production, you have to be very pleased with what you've seen so far. What about you, Nick? What's your grade? I have to give them a B as well, and I think... I might as well allude to it. Uh, I mentioned it on the audio mailbag. Then to explain like success rate for some of our fans that may not know what essentially that is, it's basically first down, you get 40% of the yards, you get a first, second down, get 50%, and then third and fourth down, you get whatever's remaining or whether that's a touchdown. And Jordan Howard's one of the best backs in the league in terms of second down and short and converting and having that high success rate. And right now he's at 52%, meaning that he is going to get that first down, you know, 50% of the time. And that's, a little bit higher than it was even in 2017 where he was at 44% where he was actually one of the lowest running backs in the league. So in this offense, Matt Nagy's offense, he's just being used differently. He's not going to probably be that 1000 yard rusher. He doesn't have to be because there's so many other weapons on this offense. Now it's not just centering around Jordan Howard, hand the ball off, hand the ball off, hand the ball off, hopefully get a first down. Now you can spread it out and utilize, you know, spread the wealth and, Tariq Cohen's a big part of that. He's also had his um, success rate go up. So that's what that's a difference here. It's a different type of offense. You're using Howard differently. So it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, Howard's having a bad season because his yardage and his yards per carry aren't as good. He's still converting the chains and keeping that offense on the field. The Bears are still scoring. And it's a team game. Obviously, if Howard was a selfish guy, this wouldn't work. But I don't think he's like that. I think he would like to get the ball a little bit more. But he's doing what's best for the team. And Matt Nagy, I think, is starting to utilize him a little better. We've seen it in the past couple games. He's been able to break off some of those bigger runs, get in the end zone the past two weeks more than the past seven weeks, three to two. So Jordan Howard, I like what he's doing, and I think he's going to get better as the season goes on. And Tariq Cohen, remember, last year was barely utilized, not utilized enough, sometimes on the sidelines. Matt Nagy's trying to get him the ball any way that he can, and I think he's doing a pretty good job at that so far and keeping in mind with all the other weapons that are around him. So I like what the running game's going doing. I think it'll get better as the season goes on, so that's why I give it a B. All right. Moving on to wide receiver, obviously a huge emphasis this offseason was placed on this group because now gone are the days of this being a unit that's holding the offense back because we've seen production from all of the new guys like Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, and Anthony Miller. So to hand out a grade, I'll begin the wide receivers. I'm going to give them a B plus because – this is a unit that hasn't been over the top, but I would call them sound so far. Taylor Gabriel, he's obviously been the most effective and reliable player at the position to date. Um, he's only been able to haul in 12 of his 49 targets this year. And Anthony Miller, he has the most touchdowns of the group. And obviously that's a great sign uh, for things to come out of the rookie. And Allen Robinson, he started off hot kind of being that obvious go-to guy. And that's kind of shifted towards Gabriel. And Robinson, of course, not being available for the last two games. Um, I don't say it hurts this grade, but of course, any lack of ability kind of would in some degree or another. Um, the reason I'm only going to give them this B, B plus is I Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, 
Getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. They can provide more. You know, outside of a couple big games from Gabriel, I haven't seen a wideout, quote-unquote, take over a game just yet. And the Bears, they do have that by-committee approach, and that may not happen. It may not just be how this offense is built, but I still would love to see someone just kind of get hot down the stretch and really break out, be a huge matchup nightmare for a team um, just in one game that's totally taken in their hands and go with it. So for me, B+. Plus. Uh, obviously, if you want to compare to last year, you're going to give them an A+. Plus. There's no question about it. But I think they're leaving a little bit on the table. Um, and, of course, uh, with Allen Robinson getting back healthy uh, for the next eight games, let's see exactly what these next steps are going to be because they have a ton of potential. And I know there's a lot more beneath the surface. So for me, I'm not going to give them that A just yet because I know they can go out there, earn it with some better play. Let's go to Brandon next. Yeah, I'm not going to give them the A either, but I am going to join the B-plus club here with the wide receivers. I think sound, uh, you said the sound for this group. I think that's a very, very good adjective. Because, uh, I mean, Taylor Grayley, he's a he's a great deep threat. I'll say it. Uh, we've seen him take the top off in Miami. He caught a handful of those deep passes. He drew a, a pass interference last week. Uh, and plus he leads the team in receptions, like you said. So that's a, a great way to open up the field, open up the offenses, because defenses have to respect that speed. And he gets used in a variety of ways, too, with jet sweeps as well. Uh, Allen Robinson, like you say, he's been hurt the last couple weeks. I don't think we needed him. It definitely didn't hurt. Uh, but he's been a great security guy for Mitch. He runs very solid routes, has really good hands, big-bodied guy that is going to go get the ball rather than wait for it to come to him. Uh, he'll make a few guys miss here and there, but it, his uh, – his go-to calling card, I guess, is just to make sure that he gets the catch a possession guy. And I think that's definitely something that Mitch needs, a guy that he can rely on. And he's definitely relying on Taylor Gabriel quite a bit here, as you alluded to. But Allen Robinson is also a guy that we've seen. He's got a good uh, relationship with some good security there with him. And then Anthony Miller, uh, he's made some tough catches, and he makes them look easy. Uh, he gets used gets used in a variety of ways, jet sweeps like we've seen last week, uh, similar to Taylor Gabriel. He's tied for second on the team in touchdowns with three with Cohen and behind Burton. Uh, so it's nice to see the rookie get used, but this group outside of those three isn't really uh, as deep as I thought it was going to be. I thought we'd see a little bit more Kevin White. Uh, so I think the lack of depth is what keeps me from giving this group an, group an A. I mean, they really don't need much depth with uh, Trey Burton at tight end and the running backs being used like they do as well. Uh, but I think just for the lack of depth right now, I give it a B plus. See, I would say that Taylor Gabriel has exceeded my expectations by far. I did not anticipate him being uh, this involved in the offense and this productive. But I, on the flip side, even if you take out Allen Robinson's two games, I think he's underperforming a little bit compared to what I thought he would. Even coming off the knee injury, I thought he would come out here and be a little bit more heavily targeted, at someone pacing to have that 80-85 catch season. He had, he's just not there. I think he's uh, on pace for maybe 50, if not just a little bit more. So for me, um, it's a kind of a little bit each side. Like, of course, Taylor Gabriel, someone who's exceeding, and Allen Robinson. I'm not saying he's disappointing me. I just thought he would have a bigger season from a numbers standpoint. But, of course, uh, numbers, individual numbers don't matter. The end result is what matters per week. But, uh, Nick, over to you. What's your grade? Yeah, before I actually give my grade, I just want to give credit to Pro Football Weekly and writer Marcus Mosher for that the stats on the um, success rate. That's where I got that article and those great stats on Jordan Howard. But actually, for me, you guys, wide receiver, I'm giving it an A because when you look at look at how this position has turned from what it was last year to what it is this year, the playmakers are substantially better. And Taylor Gabriel is a big part of that. Like you will, I did not expect Gabriel to do what he was doing. I think I. 
uh, I don't even want to go into my projections. I don't know if I, I think it was around like 400 something yards where I had him for all season. I didn't think he was going to actually be utilized as much. And he's got 426 right now. So clearly I don't know what I'm talking about. So that's what you should. <laughs> but um, just when you actually think about some of the times that uh, Mitch Trubisky has missed these throws, these wide receivers probably could have had a lot better numbers or inflated numbers had he makes those throws. There are guys wide open. Mitch Trubisky's not hitting them. So I don't think that's on the wide receivers. The only game that I can really think of to where the wide receivers are kind of, I guess, locked down was maybe week one against Green Bay when they, I think they were playing more, more zone than they were man or it was vice versa, and that kind of threw them off. And I think Mitch Trubisky and Matt Nagy also alluded to that in the press conferences saying, okay, we didn't really expect that. But other than that, people have been open. It's just about hitting those open guys. Because, again, every single game, there's been someone wide open. I don't know. Mitch Trubisky hasn't been able to always hit them. So I think when you count, you know, factor that in, see what the wide receivers have been able to do, the deep ball and just being able to be so versatile in this offense, I you have to give him an A. Out of the 1,949 receiving yards, 1,056 have come from wide receivers. Eight of those touchdowns have come from the wide receivers, and they're only going to get better, and they have been, you know, a little bit dinged up. So I think Mitch once and once Mitch Trubisky starts hitting these throws, you're going to see those numbers for the wide receivers go up and see them be a bigger factor. So that's why I'm giving them an A right now. All right, we have our first A of the day, and it's going to be wide receivers from Nick. Uh, up, not up next, we have tight ends, and of course, uh, Trey Burton's been a big part of that. Um, but outside of him, it's been kind of quiet. So I'm curious to see where these grades kind of lie. Let's go to Brandon first. Uh, this is an average position and the weakest on the team. Uh, just to throw that out there, I give it a C. Because, uh, like you said, outside of Trey Burton, this position just does not have a lot to write home about. Adam Sheen, he's been absent. It's a good thing he's coming back. I'll be excited to see what he can do. Uh, but Deion Sims is a liability. He's not necessarily an asset. Uh, and Ben Bronecker and Daniel Brown are just kind of here and there, guys. Uh, I mean, when I think of Ben Bronecker, as much as I, I really liked him uh, as an undrafted free agent, thought he was a really tough kid. Uh, but this year, when I think of Ben Bronecker, I associate him with bad plays. Uh, the interception that Trubisky threw in the end zone in Miami uh, was intended for Ben Bronecker. wasn't Bronecker's fault by any means because Trubisky put it into a window that was closing very fast, and it, then it did close. Uh, and then also him getting trampled on special teams. So, I mean, he doesn't leave the, the biggest impression on me this year with a little bit more playing time. Uh, but for the tight end position in the whole, I think it's just a very average unit, uh, including Trey Burton in there, because you have to include all these guys in the grade. So I, I give it a C. Yeah, if I could split the grade, I think I would give Trey Burton like that B plus role because he's he's done very well this season. He's he leads the team with five touchdowns and he's done a lot of things well all season long. I really love how he's been kind of becoming that threat over the middle of the field and he has a great ability to kind of like find holes in the zone um, and gain additional yards after the catch. But Brandon, like you said, you have to account everybody here for the grade and outside of Trey, it hasn't been good. Uh, you have Deion Sims. And you have to give Sims, you know, of course, a very poor grade for what he's been able to do this year. Um, you've barely seen any Daniel Brown. Like you mentioned, when you see Ben Bronicker, uh, usually it hasn't been uh, great things. Oh, uh, you think about that punt too, right? That punt block as well. So yes. it's it's not pretty outside of Trey Burton. So for me, I'm giving it a C plus. And the reason I, I even give it a generous, C plus, it is. Yeah, it's <laughs> generous. And just because of Trey Burton, all the question marks around him, if he could be a tight end one, if he can be that guy coming from the Eagles where he wasn't that guy. He wasn't being paid like a top tight end, and he wasn't even on the field that much. So there's a lot of question marks surrounding him. And he came here, and I think he's proven that Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, uh, knew what they're talking about when they brought him in here from Philadelphia. So for me, C+, plus, 
overall. But of course, Trey Burton, uh, don't let that grade deter you from what he's been able to provide to this offense so far. What about you, Nick? Yeah, I actually have a C plus for this position as well, because like you guys, when I think of Van Broniker, I think of him getting, uh, you know, stepped on by Joel EA Buniwe and then giving up that punt block. Deion Sims had that terrible drop. I think it was in the Patriots game. And I think he's only been targeted four times this season. Probably good. You don't want to target that guy any more than he's already been targeted uh, this season. And then there's Trey Burton, who is the sole bright spot right now for this Bears team for the tight end position, a guy that you can utilize everywhere. He gets the pitches. He gets uh, obviously in the end zone with a mixture of different ways. And Matt Nagy likes utilizing him. So that's why this is even a C plus is because of Trey Burton. But thank goodness Adam Shaheen is coming back. Because mm-hmm. like Brandon and I, we talked about this on the audio mailbag. This is probably is going to open up some things, but we should keep our expectations to a minimum because this is a guy that wasn't really utilized a lot last year. And I know that's last year's offense, but he's still got to get acclimated to the game. Hasn't been, you know, playing because he's been out with that foot injury. So I think Adam Shaheen really does improve this tight end room. Hopefully that gets Deion Sims off the field. You can incorporate Adam Shaheen in there because I think I'll take Adam Shaheen's blocking over whatever Deion Sims is bringing, to be completely honest. So Adam Shaheen elevates this, but right now this is a weak link on the offense with a C+. I would take Adam Shaheen's route running over Deion Sims. I would take Adam (laughs) Shaheen's uh, ability to catch the ball over Deion Sims. The list goes on and on, Nick. Yeah, very true. All right, let's look over at wide receiver because, of course, new offensive line coach Harry Houston, uh, with him taking over, everybody expected the offensive line to take a step forward as a unit. Now, through did, eight uh, games. Did Harry Houston move to wide receiver, coach? Did I say wide receiver? Yes. Well, I meant offensive line, damn it. <laughs> well, you said we got to start calling you out on these things. You're right. No, you're right. <laughs> I appreciate it. I thought I saw Nick kind of give me a look, and I was like, maybe my internet's <laughs> dipping out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> So anyway, new offensive line coach, Harry Heastan, uh, he's taking over. And everyone expected the <laughs> offensive line to take a step forward as a unit. And in three games, I think they've done a very solid job of keeping the pocket clean for Trubisky. Um, and of course, uh, through the running game, it's been kind of hit or miss. So where does this grade lie? And Mr. Trenches, you're going to have to wait. Nick, how about you? Wow. I, I almost want to give it to Brad. Give him my spot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so offensive line, I think when you factor in uh, just the injury of Kyle Long and just how they played overall this season, I'm going to give it a B plus. I think they have, for the most part, kept Trubisky upright. But the thing that's really disappointing, especially bringing in Harry Heastan, is that running game. I thought, you know, bringing him in, this is just going to elevate the running game. It's going to even be better than the years previous. They're going to be able to run the football, sustain good drives. Howard's going to have another 1,000-yard season. Um, that's just not the case and because they're utilizing Howard differently this season. But for the most part, I like what they've done. Um, they've had to face some good defenses, um, some guys, and they've, for the most part, held their own. I think Buffalo was just last week where you saw, I think, the worst worst play overall as a unit. You don't have Kyle Long. You have Charles Leno commit three false start penalties. James Daniels has a holding penalty. So they, they struggle, but they still got the job done, and that's what kind of counts. And now we want to see how this group does moving forward. And you also got to factor in Cush and Daniels were coming in, you know, replacing each other series after series. So factor that in as well because this is a, a unit, not just one player. So I'll have to give it a B plus. I'm in the B range, but I'm a little bit lower. I'm at the just B, just straight B, no minus, no plus. And honestly, though, when you're looking at purely uh, pass protection, you have to be pleased with the early results. And 
a lot of Trubisky's success this season is directly correlated. It's tied to the success of his offensive line. And, you know, they have given him plenty of time to work this season. And outside of last week's blunder, you know, Leno Jr., uh, heading into last week, he had zero penalties called against him. Um, he was uh, doing a great job. I don't think he allowed a. I think he allowed one sack heading into last week. And the Bears, the, as a unit, they're only allowing one quarterback hit per game. That's a phenomenal mark. I mean, obviously keeping not just him clean in the pocket, but eliminating hits after he releases the football as well is a huge. You know, it's very huge for this offensive line because with every quarterback, you want to limit hits, and they're done doing a great job doing that with their uh, second year quarterback and. Like we know, there's there's work to be done in terms of run blocking. That's an area of improvement. But overall, I think they've done a really good job. I'd call it a solid job so far. And we'll see what happens down the stretch now without Kyle Long. We'll see how James Daniels kind of settles in. We still need him to you know grow just a little bit more, uh, getting used to playing in the NFL. And then, of course, right guard. We'll see how it all shakes out. But right now, I give it a B. Um, I think if Kyle Long was still here, I would give it a more of the B-plus range. But with his, you know, I guess that would be more of a grade for the second half of the year because he was here for seven eighths of the first half. But uh, I have B written down, so I'm sticking with it. What about you, Nick? I mean, Brandon, see, I'm all over today, guys. You could have given the B to B anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm giving the offensive line an A. Uh, I don't know if that's a surprise to anybody or not, but the tackles have been studs all year. Uh, even Bobby Massey, I think he's improved some even in his uh, older age here under Harry Heastand. Uh, Cody White here, we talked about this on the on the mailbag. Uh, he's very underrated. Uh, Nick and I talked about it, so Will, you can uh, chime in here too. Have you seen or heard of any snap issues from Cody White here since the Denver preseason game? I have not. There we go. Very <laughs> underrated player. Uh, and I'm not a fan of them rotating the guards with Cush and Kyle Long or James Daniels or Cush and Brian Woodsman. I'm just not a fan of that. I think it kind of telegraphs a little bit more what you're doing. Uh, there was a percentage that we read out earlier in the year about when they were being switched uh, runs versus pass. Uh, and regardless, I mean, the run blocking does need to improve, uh, but I think it would improve more. And I think it's more or less just a scheme thing. Uh, if they would be more willing to run the ball North and South between the A and B gaps, rather than trying to bounce it outside, outside the tackles. That's just my personal opinion. I think it's uh, you're going to be able to get into a rhythm a lot quicker. If you're able to run between the tackles, than be able to bounce it outside. Uh, we like to see a lot of these RPOs, which is fine. Uh, it's it's Nagy's scheme, so it's it is what it is. And I think that uh, the run blocking definitely can improve. Uh, I think we'll continue to see it improve. Uh, but as far as scheme goes, I think that they're they're doing what they can as far as run blocking goes because they can only cover so much ground. All right, now with half the season still to play, there's some obviously there's some issues that can be cleaned up across the board, and uh, that's true for practically every team in the NFL. Squads are vying to play their best football when they reach December. Uh, when taking a look at the Bears' entire offense, I want to know, what's the one area of improvement that you want to see um, and that you look at as the biggest growth opportunity moving forward? Let's go to Nick first. So I actually have two here, and I'll just uh, mention one of them. I think, and I've mentioned this all season, and it's it's it makes sense why it's happening. Sometimes a play calling can be a little inconsistent for me with Matt Nagy's bringing out there. At times, it just seems he, you know, with being the creative mind that he is, I think he's just doing a little too much at times. You see Eddie Jackson in the backfield against Buffalo Bills. Is he really going to be a factor out there as a safety? Yes, he has good ball skills. He had that in Alabama, but I don't know if he's actual weapon on there. A distraction, if you will. But there are just times where you see that, you know, hand the ball off to Howard in third and short. No, let's throw the ball across the field. Thinking back to Green Bay, you try, try to throw it to Deion Sims, one of his four targets on the season. That doesn't work. So at times you, you've seen that 
uh, with Nagy, but I think that's just going to happen with a first-year head coach and being a play caller for a new team. But now he's got these last eight games of the 2018 regular season. Let's see how he can build off the things that he may uh, you know, not want to do anymore and just build off of that to get better. So I think play calling can be improved um, from the first half of the season. Took the words right out of my mouth, honestly. I mean, that's my biggest one. I think if he becomes less cute in some of these crucial situations late in games, the rest of my complaints about this offense are going to kind of just get more minimal as we go on because a lot of them just kind of circle back to the play calling. And to be fair, the vast majority of the time, I really don't have a problem with it. But it just seems like when it's, when it's the second half in the game, it's third and one, he just overcomplicates it sometimes. So for me, let's keep these simple situations uh, simple. And I think that will go a long way. But other than that, I think, and we've talked about position by position, um, they just need to, need to kind of keep evolving and growing within the system as a unit. And a lot of the other mistakes that we talked about in terms of each position uh, should become less and less as we go throughout this year. Well, at least that's the goal. What about you, B? Uh, I'm going to pick something else because you guys have taken, I think, the obvious one here. Uh, but I just want to add to the discussion real quick, too. We can't forget that Mark Helfrich, I think this is his first year in the NFL as a play caller as well as offensive coordinator. So, well, he's not a play caller, offensive coordinator. So that's just something else that we have to keep in mind. Is It is sort of a different game for him as well. So everyone's learning in this process. Uh, but just to pick something different, I'm going to single one guy out. I'm going to single out Tariq Cohen. And as much uh, benefit as he does for the offense, sometimes he, similar to Matt Nagy in his play calling, tries to do a little too much. He needs to be able to, and this is something that we thought I seen improve uh, towards the end of last year, just picking a gap and going north and south instead of trying to go in the sideline to sideline. Uh, sometimes he tries to, to look for the big home run play. We've seen it in the punts, especially last week where he runs backwards, the no, 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 yes, yes, yes. Uh, sometimes I think he just does too much of that uh, as well as when he's trying to bounce it outside. Just if you know you're not going to get anywhere, try and cut it up upfield uh, and take your losses at whiz rather than trying to run around and run backwards. I think it makes all of us a little nervous. So just uh, singling out one player here is something to improve on. He's got to be able to figure out, you know, just hit a hole and go for it if you don't see anything there. You know, one last thing, just to mention another different, uh, just execution. Uh, there's been times where the Bears have ran perfect plays but look, there's a missed throw. There's not a finished route. There's a missed block. Stuff like that. And that's for that can go for every single NFL team. But we've seen sometimes where guys have not executed to the full length of the play. And that has led to, you know, maybe points being left out on the field or has led to a turnover. Something like that. So I think execution also going forward from, you know, till the whistle blows until the whistle ends. How you'll learn from any coach starting whenever you start football. That's that's something that also you want to see also improve because there's been times, like I said, where there are plays that are still left out there that could have been points or could have gone the other way as well. Absolutely. All comes back down to those details. All right, guys. Final grade for the Bears offense as a whole, as an entire unit. Brandon? Uh, it's going to be a solid B for me. There's uh, a lot of moving pieces. I gave a lot of higher B grades. Uh, but with Mitch being B minus, uh, tight ends being a C, that just kind of drags the grade down to a B. They're definitely an above average offense, and and we see that week in and week out. Uh, there's definitely things that they can can work on, uh, as we talked about. But for the for the most part, I give it a B. They are above average. Uh, they score a lot of points, which is obviously good. Uh, there's just some things that they need to be able to to shore up as we continue on in the second half of the season. Yeah, I'm giving them a B plus because even though most of their rankings are middle of the pack you have to be pleased with the progress that this offense has made this year because they've taken some serious strides because 
I know they have a long way to go, but that should only make you more excited knowing there's a lot more potential that's left up on the table. Kind of goes back to Nick's point of execution. And is this if this right now, this first eight games, was the offense in the quote-unquote figuring it out period, just imagine what they can do once they have all these kinks worked out. And don't forget how bad the offense was a year ago. You know They were near or at the bottom of the league in almost every single statistical category besides rushing the football. And just look how far they've come in eight games. So for me, B+, plus, I'm excited to see where else this on-tap potential can take us. But right now, you have to be very pleased with this offense through eight games. Uh, Nick, how well, about you? It's. I just want to throw out there first, it's kind of disappointing that, that Will made me remember last year's offense because I was kind of over it. <laughs> it's not something that we should ever talk about. But yes, uh, I think I'm going to go with the B as well. We've already talked about what they've done well, what they need to be, what they need to improve upon. But this is a unit that I am happy with because I just know what the potential can be. And like you said, well, this is their first year. It's eight games in Matt Nagy's new offense, and I think they're way ahead of expectations. I, I mean, I did think that they could be a good offense. I remember writing earlier in the offseason that they could be a top 10 offense, but I didn't think it was actually going to happen right now. You could see that. You could see the pieces actually be there. Trubisky's progressing. Uh, just things are adding up and just coming to place with this offense. So give them some time. Don't think it's just, it's not just 2018 you got to worry about. It's really the years that come afterwards because that's when you'll start to see, you know, Mitch Trubisky really get this offense. Matt Nagy really get to a feel for calling games and being a head coach. That's when, you know, real good things are going to happen. But right now I got to give it a B because they're playing, they're playing some pretty good football. Yeah, no, they really are. All right, so we're halfway through this Chicago Bears midseason report card, our very special episode midway through this year. And real quick, if you haven't yet, please review our show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Just leave a rating. Let us know uh, how you think we're doing. And, of course, uh, just help us uh, reach more Bears fans. Every time we get a review, it does help us reach more fans just like you. And if you're here on YouTube, you're watching live and you haven't yet, uh, please make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you're watching the replay and you like what you're hearing, and always, of course, give it a thumbs up as well. But let's go ahead and talk about that Chicago Bears defense that ranks 12th against uh, the pass, third against the rush. Uh, they are the fifth best defense in terms of total yards. They're fourth in points allowed, second in takeaways. And let's go ahead and begin our positional grades by taking a look at the Bears defensive line. And, well, we've had some surprises. And I'm looking at you, Bilal Nichols, and... On top of that, this is a unit that they're a big reason why the Bears rank third against the run, as they've been stout all season, minus a game or two. But I want to know, what grade would you give the defensive line so far? And let's go to Nick. Man, this is tough because I'm trying to factor in how high of a grade I'm going to give all these positions. So this was tough grading the defense than it was uh, the offense. But I have to give it an A. When you look at the guys that are on the front line, in the trenches, um, Keem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, you know, we've had spurts of Roy Robertson, Harrison, Jonathan Buller, then Nichols, Bilal Nichols being just that surprise that you didn't really expect him for him to make that much of an impact his rookie year, but he is. He's making some flash plays. You factor in that rotation, that's pretty – there's some depth on there. So I feel comfortable with whoever's being plugged in and being able to fulfill their job. And I think that out of all the groups, they've just been the most consistent, whether it's just holding their blocks – getting, you know, some type of penetration, holding the edge, whatever their their task is, I think they've been the most consistent out of a defense that's been doing a lot right this season. So I have to give this unit an A. I'm giving it an A-, minus, uh, just for those couple of games where they weren't able to make much of an impact, either being getting pressure interior of the pocket or just stopping the run in general. But 
like you said, for the vast majority of this year, they have been just tremendous. And I can't find much fault um, with what this unit has been able to accomplish. Eddie Goldman, he's having a career year right now. Bilal Nichols, of course, he's someone who has stepped up and assumed a role much bigger than any of us anticipated at this point in his career. And even though we still want to see more out of a Bullard or a Roy Robinson Harris, you still have to be you know, impressed with this entire unit as a whole. And of course, Akeem Hicks. He's just a bad man. He really is. And it's it's a lot of fun to watch each week because he's one of the best run defenders in the league. And even though he's not blowing us out of the water with a large amount of sacks, uh, he still does bring the pressure. Um, you know, he averages, I believe, over three pressures per game. And he does lead the team in quarterback hits with eight. So at least he's still finding ways to punish quarterbacks if he's not able to corral them down for the sack. So for me, overall, they're doing a lot right. You can't really fault them. A minus. And I think, of course, uh, like Nick, you mentioned, they're one of the, if not the strength of this entire Bears defense right now. What about you, B? I think I might have had my expectations set a little too high for this unit going into the year. I, they play the run extremely well. Uh, you guys have talked about Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman having great years as far as defending the run goes. Uh, and we've seen some surprises, Bilal Nichols, uh, the early emergence and then later disappearance, and hopefully another reemergence here of Roy Robertson-Harris. He's really, really fed off the success that Cleo Mack had early on. And since he's uh, since Clumac's been out or not as you know to 100% as we'd like to see him, uh, Roy Robertson Harris has struggled as well uh, because teams are now fo- having a more distributed focus as far as the defensive line goes, not just wondering where Clumac's lining up. And we've seen uh, John Bullard have some very sporadic flashes as well, uh, but I think I was just anticipating this unit prior to the Cleo Mack trade getting to the quarterback more. And you brought up the uh, the Akeem Hicks stats there. Uh, leads the team in quarterback hits. Uh, he's up there in pressures as well, I'm sure. Uh, but I give it a B plus just because I think I had my expectations set a little higher for this unit. Uh, they've done a lot of good things. Well, they've played very good football. Don't get me wrong, but I think I was just having a little more uh, higher expectations uh, as far as them getting to the quarterback. They've played the run outstandingly well this year. Uh, so, if, I mean, that effort by itself deserves an A. I think I just was too high on this group. I understand. I mean, Akeem Hicks at this point last year had eight sacks already, and of course it tapered off through the second half of the year, but I think he only has like a few right now this year, so the number is down. Yeah. Well, a few is three. Yes. No, that's a couple. A couple, two. That is a couple. You're right. Okay. A few. Well, just give him the exact amount. Okay. Of- <laughs> Fine. No, I, I understand Brandon's point, though, because Akeem Hicks, you know, having that kind of production last year, um, but of course teams are focusing on him more, especially without Cleo Mack. Uh, the focus is always going to be on Akeem Hicks just a little bit more. But, hey, Akeem Hicks last year, eight sacks the first eight games, kind of tapered off. Maybe he's taking it slower this year, so the second half of the year he can kind of break out and really make an impact. Maybe. Or maybe I'm looking too far into it. Nick, what about you? What's your grade? For the D-line? For the D-line. Did you already do it? I did. Damn, I am. <laughs> Wednesday shows uh, are not it, my thing. It's an, it's an A, just in case anybody forgot. I, I did. <laughs> I did forget, and now I remember. Cool. Well, I'm looking at my notes, and it says, move on to outside linebackers, Mr. DeWitt. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. And I'm curious to what grades you guys are going to give. But first, I'm going to hand out mine. I'm going to give them a B because if we had a healthy Khalil Mack for the entire first eight games, I think you would have to give them a higher grade, a B plus, A, A minus, depending on how it all played out. But I think with his absence, uh, pretty much since the bye, I don't know if you can count Miami. I don't know if you can count New England. Um, We've had some issues at the position, and even though Aaron Lynch – uh, two sacks, 14 pressures. He's uh, been a surprise and, you know, surprisingly productive. And Floyd, him not having a sack yet, that still hurts. We've also seen 
that without pressure, the rest of the defense does really struggle. So these guys, they do have a lot of responsibilities on their plates um, in terms of setting the edge, containing the outside runs, and, of course, getting after the quarterback. I think B's fair for now. Let's get Mac you know, returning this week, and uh, hopefully they become as disruptive as they were in the first few weeks down the stretch. And hopefully it's more than just Khalil Mack this time. It's more of a group effort. And, of course, I mean, Khalil Mack, he can take over any game. I'm not going to complain. But I still want to see some other guys uh, step up and make a bigger impact next to him as well but uh nick how about you outside linebackers i actually just switched the grade uh, as you were talking there will <laughs> um so i'm actually going to give it a b plus and look if we just graded the first four weeks of the season and just graded Khalil Mack alone, it's a plus 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 and just keep adding pluses because that's how dominant he was but it really and also during that four game span, there was an injured Leonard Floyd. He had that club. He wasn't as effective as he could have been. But these past two weeks, still he doesn't have a sack, but he's done better at getting to the quarterback. He's done a lot of things better, just setting the edge and just being play awareness has increased as well. And then Aaron Lynch has been a nice surprise. A guy that you would have asked me right after training camp ended. I didn't even know he was on the team because he hasn't done anything up to that point. He has three sacks on the season. And I think an interception, an interception on Jameis Winston. That's right. So he's been a, a surprise this season as well. And then you have these younger guys also factoring in there, but I think I give it a B plus just for what they've had to deal with, with no Mac. And yes, there hasn't been as much pressure as the first, you know, couple weeks of the season, but I think that's all going to be set up to come back. Now you have, a Leonard Floyd that's emerging. You're going to have a healthy Khalil Mack. You have Aaron Lynch as well. And now you're starting to rotate some of your younger guys filling in for Mack, I think, which is a good thing for them. Get those player reps, get that depth going. So I'll have to give it a B-plus for the outside linebackers. All right, what about you, B? Where are you at? Uh, B's going to give it a B uh, because we haven't seen this whole unit be able to put it together yet. And like you guys have already alluded to, if it was just Khalil Mack, uh, I'll let Nick decide this one here. I would give it a and a handful of pluses when you figure out how many a handful is, let me know. Uh, but I, I mean, when this unit puts it all together, I really like what they're, what they're going to do. Uh, you guys have talked about Aaron Lynch and his productiveness. Uh, I think at one point in the year, we talked about him getting cut. I think prior to week one, like, well, yeah, Cleo Mack, we may not need Aaron Lynch. I'm glad we kept Aaron Lynch. Uh, Cause now we're without Sam Macho, who was a guy a couple weeks ago. We were going, man, wish we had him back. Wish he wasn't on IR, you know? So uh, when this unit can finally put, all the pieces together that are healthy. Uh, Leonard Floyd's starting to emerge. Aaron Lynch is really being productive. Uh, under Underrated, I guess we could put that one in the auto meal bag too, Nick. Uh, mm-hmm. And then when Cleo Mack comes back at 100%, I, I really think this unit's going to be a, a, a strong point of the team. Uh, but right now, they just haven't been able to put it all together yet. So for that reason, I have to give it a B. All right, let's go ahead and bounce inside, and let's take a look at Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith. You know, they are top two on the team in terms of tackles, and they've been anchoring down the middle of the field all season long. Brandon, over to you for your grade first. I give this position an A. I mean, Roquan and Danny, aside from a couple games uh, where they really were not tackling well, over-pursuing, have really just played lights out, I think, uh, for the most part. Uh, once Roquan was able to get, get things rolling in the first couple weeks, get acclimated to the game, uh, he's really improved week in and week out. Dane Trevathan is that that energy guy where if he's not out there, we see the defense kind of suffer a little better. If he's not on top of his game, see him suffer a little bit. Uh, Look to Arizona when he gave up those two touchdowns. Uh, They were essentially his guy. Uh, Once he turned it around and was able to get on top of things, then he was able to turn this defense around as well. And it all ride and dies by these guys. Uh, So for that reason, I give it an A because they just overall have done a very good job. There you go. I'm giving them an A-minus, and it's for the same reasons as you in terms of 
you know, it's been, they had some issues and maybe I'm being a little bit more critical of these issues, but I'm not going to understatement. I think the inside linebackers, they've been the heart of this defense so far. They've been attacking the ball. They've been making plays. They've done what's been asked them all season long and their strength. It's been defending the run attacking downhill, limiting ball carriers for short gains. And granted the defensive line that we just talked about for sure is making their job just a little bit easier with these run fits, but the inside linebackers, they're fulfilling their duties too. And, Danny Trevathan, uh, you talked about the coverage issues uh, earlier on this year. You know, he's cleaned them up, and we haven't talked about them since. So that's a great sign, of course, that uh, that communication's cleared up because it wasn't as much as an athletic ability thing or a player ability. It was just a communication issue. No one knew exactly uh, who was guarding who. And since then, they've, of course, they fixed that issue. But Trevathan, something he does really well this season is coming off in blitzes. He's generating them into pressures because he's tied for a third in the team. Uh, in terms of total pressures generated. And he also has two sacks. And even though Roquan early on had the struggles, uh, in, I'm looking at wrapping up some players in open space is still being one of those issues that I want to see him kind of work on. Um, he's been able to clean them up for the most part. And once he takes some next steps, Roquan, that is, um, and if he can uh, this season uh, kind of take these first eight games, learn from them, build upon them, watch out because they can really still take that next step because Roquan Smith still – I wouldn't call him a raw player, but I would call him a player who still has a lot to learn in this league. So for me, a lot of potential still for this unit to get even better as we get through the second half of the year. But right now, A-. minus. What about you, Nick? What's your grade? I'll have to give him a, an A because, uh, look, you factor in Roquan Smith being a rookie, missing training camp, and having to learn everything that he has to do, get you know put into the starting role, taking over Nick Kwiatkowski, then playing at a pretty you know high level. Yes, he's missed some tackles. He's going to be learning this game on the fly, just, again, being behind schedule a little bit, but he's played pretty damn well. And I like what I'm seeing from Roquan Smith being that number eight pick in this uh, last year's draft. So I like what I'm seeing from him. And Dan Trevathan, he's the heart and soul of this defense when you really think about it calling the plays, just keeping everyone in position. He had a little bit of those cover issues like you guys already alluded to, but he's been playing some really good football and he's healthy. That's a big thing for the Bears. Mm -hmm. When he's healthy, that Bears defense just takes it another step. And that's that's a good sign that Dan Trevathan, through the first half of the season, he has been relatively healthy. He's been on the field just leading that defense, and that's what's important right now. Each of those linebackers have two sacks on uh, on the season so far. They're playing fast. They're filling their gaps. They're shedding blocks. They're doing everything that you want out of a middle linebacker in Vic Fangio's scheme. And that's a lot because that is a tough position to play. But as of right now, they're doing a fantastic job with it. And once that, you know, it takes time to get that chemistry between two guys in the middle. And they're they're learning this, you know, as the season's going on. I only expect it to get better and as the years go by for sure. So A is the inside linebackers. All right. I mean, regardless, we're all very excited about this entire defense so far. Let's look at our corners now. Kyle Fuller, Princeton Mukamara, and Bryce Callahan. They've each had their fair share of plays this year, and they are a big reason why the defense has been so successful in terms of limiting quarterbacks, limiting some receivers this year. Uh, so, Nick, you're going to be up first. What's your grade for the corners? God, now I want to change this grade right now. I'm going to change it right on the fly. Um, seeing what they've been able to do, they've shut down some offenses, and they have, they're, they've been pretty bad offenses, but they still have shut them down. You think of the Seahawks, Cardinals, Bills, Jets, Bucks. The Bucks had a, a good offense coming into that game. But these corners have been a, a big part of that. Obviously, the pass rush, too, in those games. But I'm going to give it an A-. minus. Just what, seeing what Kyle Fuller's been able to do. He's tied for the league, league, lead, league. That's tough to say a couple times fast. With four interceptions. 
And this is a guy who got paid this big contract. He needed to prove it, and he has. And he's been making turnovers happen for other players as well. Just look to the last week's Bills game. Giving Adrian Amos an interception, Leonard Floyd his pick six. That's what you want. Bryce Callahan has been so great as a nickel corner. He just is able to stay on whatever slot receivers there. Done a phenomenal job at that. And Prince of Mukamura is a guy that surprised me the most this season because I've already I've been open about how I felt about uh, Prince of Mukamura, but he's really surprised me. There's been times you can think of you know the Green Bay game where Kyle Fuller gives up that deep touchdown, doesn't catch the interception. There's been times where it's been Good quarterbacks have taken advantage of them. But for the most part, they've played sound. So I have to give this group an A-. I'm giving them an A- minus as well. Um, they've been just so impressive this year, all three of them, really. I mean, again, early on this year, Kyle Fuller, he gave, gave up some big plays, some big touchdowns. And since then, um, he shut opponents out. And again, four interceptions along the way. And he's only around, allowing a passer rating of 68.7 for the year when targeted. And that's giving up the three touchdowns this year on top of that. So ever since that point, it's uh, he's, he's done a much better job. And he also leads the team with six pass breakups. Prince of Mukamara, he's been lights out in his end too. He's not really flashy um, with all these interceptions, but he's getting the job done. He's only allowing completions on 54% of the balls that are thrown over in his direction. And Bryce Callahan, he's holding down the nickel and he's only allowing eight yards per reception, which is the lowest of all corners on the team. And he's second on the Bears with four pass breakups. So these guys, you know, they've made life difficult for receivers all season long, and they've held them out of the end zone in over half, not over, in exactly half of the games played to date so far. So have there been some missteps and miscues? Sure. But those mistakes, they've been far and few between, and overall the play by the Bears' corners has been more than just solid. So I'm very excited to see how they stack up against Minnesota and the Rams. I think those are going to be some two big tests to see exactly how good these corners are, but so far so good. If you're looking at the bears cornerback position, what about you B? Well, since I'm grading the whole unit and not just the three guys that played, I'm giving Kevin it a B plus because <laughs> yeah, uh, Kevin Tolliver and Sherry McManus has been out there yeah, from yeah. time to time too. Uh, McManus is definitely better than he was. As far as a nickel guy goes, he doesn't look as much of a liability out there. Uh, so he's been okay. Uh, but Kevin Tolliver, he struggled early, especially in the the first uh, game that he was played in full time uh, and then against the Bucks, I remember him hitting Mike Evans really hard and standing over top of him and Kyle Fuller having to be like you know relax dude uh, you know so it was nice to see him build that confidence uh, but it, he struggled early on so the unit as a whole gets a B plus you guys touched on how good Kyle Fuller is this year you guys touched on how good Prince is he had his first career pick six this year so I mean it's there's a lot of good things Bryce Callahan uh, one of the most reliable guys as far as tackling in space uh, mm-hmm. So overall, the unit gets a B plus uh, because they are the, the three guys we talked about playing very, very well. They deserve an A as it is. Uh, but when we throw in uh, Kevin Tolliver and Sherry McManus, I have to drop that to a B plus. All right. Now let's get Eddie Jackson, Adrian Amos and, uh, you know, the safety duo. And I'll begin because this is the one and only A that I'm giving the entire show right now. No minus attached to it because I think the safeties have been strong this year. Eddie Jackson, he may be the best defender this season outside of Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks so far this year on this defense. He's been great in coverage this year, solid in run support. He's tied with a Khalil Mack and an Eddie Goldman with uh, 14 run stops this season. And even he does have a sack on his one blitz this year. So, of course, it's 100% if you're keeping score at home. Eddie Jackson, he has two interceptions, three forced fumbles. Two touchdowns scored on defense. It's been a great second year for him. And the only issues has really been open field tackling. I've seen from time to time, you know, a few crucial misses misses out of Jackson this year, especially the game that we're at in Miami. 
Um, but Amos as well. He's been solid. He may not be playing to the same degree that he was a year ago, um, but his best game may have just been against Buffalo where he had seven tackles, a sack, and an interception. So outside of that, um, it's been a very quiet year, but that's not a, entirely a bad thing as the front seven has made life easier for A.J. Amos compared to where it's been over the last few seasons. So for me, I'm giving them an A. They haven't been a liability in the back end of this defense, and when you're looking at um, some of these bigger plays have been given up, Sometimes it goes back to the corners more than just the safeties. So for me, I'm going to give them an A, uh, and hopefully Eddie Jackson can continue this ascendance that he's had uh, so far the early part of the beginning of the season. Uh, Brandon, I'm going to let you go ahead and bat next. What's going to be your grade? I'm going to give it a B plus. I think that those open field tackles are just – there's way too much weight given the circumstance and the games in which they happen uh, that I've got a hard time letting it go. I'm still a little upset about some of these, especially in Miami. Uh, Eddie Jackson had a couple opportunities to wrap guys up, and he just couldn't do it. Uh, Adrian Amos, the same thing. Uh, He's the big hitter. Uh, Teams know that. So when they're able to see he's coming in for a hit, they just kind of juke him out, and he misses these tackles. Uh, So – once they can shore up that open field tackling, I have no problem giving them an A because this is a very solid unit, very sound unit again, uh, similar to the wide receivers, making a comparison there as far as adjectives go. Uh, grammar would be today, I guess. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> um, I think that you know this, this unit is very, very good, but I just have a hard time uh, letting go of the, the open field tackling issues we've seen a couple weeks ago. It has gotten better, uh, but when we're taking all eight games into account, I just have to give it a B-plus for that reason. All right. Nick, how about you? I'm just seeing in the chat here. Uh, Amos, Amos, I think it's Amos. So everyone who's listening right now, they everyone's freaking out about how you pronounce it. It's Amos. We, Amos, we Amos. Amos. Yeah. Amos, Amos. Yeah. Amos. So um, <laughs> then that's how you say it. Yep. Um, bear down. That's how you say it. It's Amos. So for this group, and I kind of grade it similar how I grade the two linebackers. I'm looking at both of these guys. One's an A, one's a B. And now I'm factoring that. That makes it a B plus for me. I think Eddie Jackson has that Pro Bowl potential. He's He has instincts. He's that ball hawk. He's the one who's going to create these turnovers. He's proven that. He should have had another pick six had Cleo Mack not jumped off sides in that mm-hmm. Arizona game. That's a pick six. He just has those instincts, and that's what you like out of that free safety, especially being a later-round pick, fourth round, and being what he's been able to, to become. It's great. Uh, Eddie Jackson is a great player. Adrian Amos now, on the other hand, I think, you know, he he's taken a step back for me in these first eight games. He hasn't done anything special, but he hasn't made those glaring mistakes. But how I graded it in terms of the two linebackers now, we have Roquan and Dan Trevathan. Overall, they, you know, they get that A-, minus. but this group, I'm going to give it a B plus because Amos doesn't really do much for me. He's a sound player, but I think that's about what he – that's what he is. He's not a – potentially game-changing player. And you, you don't have a lot of those, you know, in the game as well. But I'm just going to give it a B-plus as a unit. They've kept everything in front of them. That's exactly what you want from your safeties. And they've had some missed tackles. You also have to account for that. So when you factor all that in there, B-plus, I think, is the, the correct grade. All right, Brandon, over to you. I need to know, just like we did for the offense, when's, where's that one area of improvement that you see on defense? Uh, I think it's got to be in the defensive line. Uh, I think it's mostly just because I had my expectations set too high, as I said earlier, about five times. Uh, I think it, they, they just have because prior to Cleo Mack, we thought this was going to be the spot where there's going to be a lot of pressure coming from uh, to get to the quarterback because the offensive line position was weak. Uh, it was actually totally different than what it looks like now because uh, we weren't sure what Leonard Floyd's status was. We thought it was going to be Aaron Lynch and Sam Ocho or Isaiah Irving. Uh, now we've got Leonard Floyd and Cleo Mack back. So those 
uh, are going to be good on as far as outside linebackers go, but as far as defensive line, it's just got to be an area uh, to improve in the pass rush. Really, their their run defense is fine. Uh, it's more than fine. It's really good. Uh, but that's just an area where I was expecting to see more. So I guess I would like to see them meet my expectations naturally. Uh, but I think uh, it's going to have to be in the pass rush in the defensive line to really narrow it down to one area. I agree. I think consistency from the pass rush is going to be very vital down the stretch. And if you want to add anything else, it's going to have to be open field tackling. I think those are going to be the top two areas that the Bears defense must improve upon, becoming more consistent uh, with their pass rush, finding other guys outside of Cleo Mack. And of course, once Matt comes back, and it appears it's going to be this week, uh, hopefully he can kind of return to form that we saw weeks one through four. And of course, just what we saw against Miami, New England, uh, we haven't seen it since, but that was against the Jets. That was against Buffalo. Can they still have the same kind of sound tackling against, say, you know, well, the Lions this week and, of course, Minnesota immediately the week after in prime time on Sunday night? Those are the things I'm going to be looking for. But, uh, yeah, those are my top two areas. And if they sure those up, that's it. I mean, the defense is it's set. What about you, Nick? A uh, quick thing here. Since we're factoring everybody on the defense and for corners, we forgot about Marcus Cooper. So the gets an F, right? Oh, no, you're right. <laughs> yeah, Brandon, I, I took that back into account. So the corners that he gave a B, put in Marcus Cooper. That but have we seen Marcus right Cooper on the field? I was about to say, the fact that they kept I don't him know if we field. have. That's that's a great thing. Then I'm we ju- take that one out of the equation. <laughs> we no take that enough. out of the gate. I just saw in the depth chart, Marcus Cooper. I'm like, oh, man, he's still on the team. But uh, <laughs> some areas that need to be improved, we've seen it. We've know, I, I think teams know what the formula, I guess, is to beat the Bears. Take out their pass rush by u- utilizing that quick game, getting the ball out quick, short routes, move the, move the ball that way. We've seen that a couple of times in, in the three losses specifically. So – that's what Vic Fangio, I think we never see those corners play up. I think that's a big way of trying to, you know, take away those quick passes to jam the receiver on the line of scrimmage. That's a great way of doing it, or at least you can try and see if that works. And then the next thing we had a pat, we had a dominant pass rush the first four weeks of the season. And now it's starting, starting to come back, but it needs to pick up again because that just makes the overall defense a lot better. So moving forward, Find that pass rush. Find different ways to get to you know opposing quarterbacks. I think this week against the Lions, they'll, they'll have the potential to do that. But I think just increasing that pass rush, finding different ways, utilizing different players, different uh, blitz packages, that's going to help. But uh, those are my two things to move forward to just get corrected. All right, let's put a bow on it. Let's wrap it all up here. The entire defense, What's what, do, what does this phase of the Chicago Bears get in terms of an overall grade? And, Nick, I'm going to go right back to you. I think just kind of looking at everything, you have to give it an A minus. I think this is a sound group. They've played phenomenal football. Yes, they've they've given up some points here and there, but I think once they have all their playmakers uh, on you know on the field at one time and going into these last eight games, I think this is a group that you can definitely say is an A minus defense. A minus, I'll give it that. Um, they were once we were talking top three, right? We were talking top three at one point. Once they find that pass rush, that's when we'll see this defense play at its highest level. So an A minus for the overall defense. I'm at an A minus as well. All three phases, super solid. I think what really gets me excited about this defense is their ability to capitalize on these turnovers and turn them into points. It's been it's been so much fun to watch. Either it be a forced fumble that you pick up or an interception that you take back to the house or a strip sack. It's How the Bears have been able to turn these turnovers to points, putting matters in their own hands, is one of the more uh, underrated aspects of this team. I think everyone kind of gets caught up on some of these sack numbers. But when you're, don't forget about their ability to get these turnovers and actually turn them into points because 
I mean, look at the last few seasons. We barely had turnovers as it is. So to be able to do those and add points in the process, I mean, Coach Nagy always emphasis puts emphasis on just how crucial that is and how vital that can be in terms of swinging the momentum of any game. And I think that's crucial here. But when you're looking at the Bears' defense, defensive line, linebackers, secondary, you don't have an obvious weak point. So for me, A- minus is a great point to be at, and we'll see exactly if they can kind of turn that into an A when it's all said and done. What about you, B? I asked before the show if we needed the broom. I think we need the broom. I don't have it. Uh, but I'm going to give an A- minus as well. Uh, for all the reasons you guys touched on, I'm going to use a different S word than Nick used. He used sound. Uh, no, this one's not a cuss word for those of you watching at home. Uh, I'm going to use solid, a very solid group here. Uh, they do a lot of things right. And like Will said, occasionally they give up points here and there. But for the most part, I have no issue when this defense comes on in a clutch situation that they can either make a play or get a stop. I don't, I don't worry so much about this defense being out there in the field as I did in defenses past. So uh, it, it's definitely an A minus, a very solid group. All right. And let's go look at special teams real quick. Just an overall grade for that phase, the third phase. I'll begin. I'm going to give them a C plus. You're looking at Cody Parkey, his 81.3% uh, in terms of field goals made. That's 21st in the league. Um, we're 16th in net punt. We've given up a kick return for a touchdown. Um, the, there's more than one bright spot, but one that I just want to highlight real quick is uh, Patrick O'Donnell. He's on pace for a career low in punts. And just in case you don't know, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. He's not having to punt uh, nearly as much as he had in uh, years past. What about you, B? If you had to give special teams a grade, what would it be? I just an average grade. They don't do anything uh, outstanding. Uh, they've actually done more less outstanding things than actually outstanding things as far as like kick returns or doing something to really change the game in that phase. Uh, so I just really have to give it a C because they haven't done a whole lot uh, as far as going beyond what's asked. What about you, Nick? Uh, I think for the most part, I was expecting more from Cody Parkey coming to season. I really was. And he made, uh, obviously he made a, a couple field goals or whatever it was last week against the bills not too confident in him right now, so I'm going to give it – I'm just going to give it, like you guys, average C. We'll see where it goes from there. Um, I think Terry Cohen has done some good things in the punt return game. That was supposed to – I wouldn't made to make that funny, but it just came out that way. Uh, but, um, yeah, they, they need to do more. Cody Parker needs to be consistent. He needs to – you need to have that, that closure that, okay – He's going to go make this field goal. The game is maybe tied or they're, they're down by three. He's at least going to tie it up. I don't have that right now. And especially with division play coming up, it's going to be crucial for every point you can get. So let's see what uh, special teams can do, specifically Cody Parkey. I see what you did there. <laughs> there we go. We're making a joke of it. <laughs> All right, let's send this sucker to overtime, guys. And let's hand out some predictions for the remainder of the season. And with all of your knowledge that we have on the team so far and looking what's ahead to come, I want to know what's going to be your updated, or should I say who is going to be your updated MVB prediction? Let's go to Nick first because he looks flabbergasted. Of course. <laughs> updated uh, season MVB. I'm going to go with Tariq Cohen. This is a guy that he's already been utilized a lot in this offense in a bunch of different ways. And I think Tariq, uh, Tariq Cohen, Matt Nagy's only going to, he's only just reached the pinnacle, just reached, or not the pinnacle, that would be the top. He's reaching, <laughs> he's slowly reaching the pinnacle of what he can be capable of. And that's exciting because there's so many ways you can get Tariq Cohen the, the ball and it's, he's just going to find ways to do that. So each week you're going to see Tariq Cohen utilize it in a different way. 
in more efficient ways is the most important thing. And I think moving forward, he's going to be that updated season MVP. All right. What about you, B? I'm going to say Kyle Fuller uh, because he's made the most of his opportunities instead of just having the led the league and dropped interceptions or whatever that funky stat was we made up last year. He's making the most of his opportunities now. Teams aren't picking on him near as much. And when they do, he makes sure that they uh, regret it uh, with the four interceptions that he's got this year. And I think he's going to continue to build on that. I, he will end up with more than four interceptions on the year. I'll, I'll almost say that he doubles it. We'll say he gets eight. Uh, and I think he's just going to make the most of these opportunities if teams continue to, to throw his way. So Kyle Fuller is going to make quarterbacks regret throwing his way. Perfect. He is the most targeted corner on the Bears right now, still, despite the fact he's only allowing a 68, wow. per, yeah, 68 pass rating. It's crazy. It's okay, though. Uh, keep throwing his they way. They must not scout. Well, I, I'm sure the they opposing do. team. Yeah. <laughs> they must be looking at Prince and going, well, we don't want to throw it his way either. He's got to pick six. Uh, well, okay. Just my guess. <laughs> uh, for me, MVP, I'm going to go with Danny Trevathan. I mean, I'm looking outside the obvious of Cleo Mack here. Um, and, of course, for offense, Trubisky as well when it's all said and done. But for me, uh, Danny Trevathan, I think he's going to lead the team in tackles. He's going to be able to perhaps make another handful of impact plays as we get down the stretch here. So if he can remain healthy, I anticipate him being the most valuable bear on this entire team, um, especially with this defense, uh, rallying the troops, getting everyone on the same page, and, of course, uh, just being such an impactful player. He's always around the ball. He's always has a nose for the football. So for me, I'm anticipating a big second half of the season with Danny Trevathan because I know ever since he came to Chicago, he's been hungry. He's been determined trying to find a way to get this team back to the postseason. And as we get closer to it and the reality becomes that much more clear that it's possible, I anticipate him to take his game to the next level to really put the team on his back to kind of set the tone, be the aggressor, uh, you know, and those sorts of things to really take this defense, um, even though they're so good right now, um, to the next level of nastiness that we think they can kind of embody as we go through the rest of this year. All right, guys, up next, I want you to go ahead and give me a bold prediction for the second half of the year. And Brandon, I'm going to let you kick that off. Wow, bold prediction for the year. Uh, how many touchdowns say Mitch was on pace for? 32. Was it 30 32? I bet he ends up with 30 this year. Is that we'll even see. bold then? Well, has the, have we seen a quarterback throw for 30 in Bears history? <laughs> I would say it's pretty bold. You're not wrong. <laughs> what about you, Nick? Do you have a bold prediction? Bold prediction. We have five division games left. Mitch Trubisky and the Bears are going to go. <sighs> All right, this is going to change my my record then. They're going to go 5-0 and <laughs> in the division for the rest of the season. All right, Sweeping like the rest of the games. I mean, that would be huge. I mean, that's playoffs. That's playoffs if they can do that. I like it. I have two bold predictions, and I sat here, and I was like, ah, it's one of those days that Will's feeling extra bold. So one on offense, one on defense. First up, Jordan Howard. He's going to finish the season with 1,200 yards rushing. He's on pace for 878. Uh, so that's bold. We'll see how that goes. Uh, and, Leonard, goes. and Leonard Floyd, he still finishes the season with double-digit sacks. <gasps> Currently has zero. that. He does have that, zero. Yeah. These are both guys that are ascending in the right Cable. direction. Yeah. Cable is doing those in the right things. Uh, if you don't know, uh, check out the blog. Nick wrote a post about Jordan Howard and Leonard Floyd ascending in the right direction. Uh, so <laughs> if he really wants you to read that. That's where he's kind of alluding to right now. But he's humble, and he don't want to directly say it. Uh, so check out our blog, uh, you know, thebearsrose.com. Uh, check out Nick's article. Yeah. He's proud of it. Go read my article. I'm not humble. Just go read it. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, guys. Uh, you know, it's been a long time since the Bears had a pro bowler, um, someone who's gotten some much-needed recognition. So looking at this roster, looking at what the players have done so far and what we're kind of projecting forward, who's going to end up being on a Pro Bowl team this year? You don't have to give me everybody you're anticipating being on that Pro Bowl, but if you just had to throw out a name or two, uh, who would it be and why? And let's go to Nick first. Brandon, we went over this in our audio mailbag. Yes, we so did. We so I got to come prepared. with more guys. Yeah. Oh, do you want to come with more? I'm just going to give the guy I said in the audio mailbag. I'm going with Trey Burton. He's tied for right now uh, for first in the NFC with the most touchdowns. He's uh, tied with OJ Howard. And I think that Matt Nagy's just started utilizing him in the way that he actually wants to. He's starting to get the ball a little bit more, being incorporated in different schemes, different uh, route combinations. So I think when it's all said and done, Trey Burton will make the Pro Bowl. Uh, and, you know, be a much needed Pro Bowler because the Bears haven't had an actual Pro Bowler. They've had alternates, but not someone in the Pro Bowl for a couple of years now, I think. It's been quite some time. What about you, B? Uh, since I want everyone to go listen to the audio mailbag, I'm going to give a different name uh, than the other one. So I'm going with option C here. Uh, Cody Whiter, I think he's got a legitimate chance to make it uh, because, like I mentioned earlier, have we had any snap issues, even now that he's holding it a little more funky than he typically would when he had the snap issues i mean it's, it's working he hasn't as far as i'm concerned given up a sack up the middle uh he's leading the charge i think as far as run blocking goes yeah like i said the teams like to or bears like to bounce the, the ball outside more than i'd like if they can just tug it behind cody white here and the guards i think that the running game is really going to be able to start getting more of a rhythm we'll start to see uh especially later in games jordan hearts Jordan Howard start breaking those 20 plus yard rushes that we've seen him and we know that he's capable of doing and it all starts up front with the center when the play gets snapped with Cody White here so I really think that uh, he can make make the Pro Bowl all right now maybe I'm biased so I have six players listed on my on my thing uh, well tell me <laughs> tell me who I'm wrong then if I put one uh, I have Cleo Mack potential we'll see how good you don't think he'll make it no, I'm, just kidding. I'm kidding. All right. Akeem Hicks. I think that's more than a maybe. He needs to make more splash plays in order to make that a possibility. It's, that's a stretch. Defensive end, that's that's the thing. That's what he's listed at. That's the only reason why like sometimes he gets snubbed because he's listed as a defensive end in the NFC North or the NFC. So it's it's tough. Here are three that I'm I'm feeling good about if uh they continue playing like they have so far this season. Uh well, at least two. Uh, Eddie Jackson, Kyle Fuller. I think both of them deserve it if they keep it up. And then my dark horse here is Danny Trevathan. Uh, like I said, he can be end up being the MVP. Um if he can find a way again, just find a, just get a few more impact plays, interceptions, force some fumbles. Uh, right now, he's super solid. He's super sound. He just needs to find a way to become dominant. And he has the ability to become dominant. Um, but for me, if I had to hunker it all down, I think Kyle Fuller, Eddie Jackson, Cleo Mack, three Bears defenders should easily find their way on Pro Bowl rosters if everything goes according to plan and kind of projects forward how it's looked in the first eight games. But, of course, uh, the second half of this season, um, we need to take a look at that too because um, I want to give out a last – our last record prediction for the year because I know I gave out one at the first end of the first quarter. And I know Nick was like, we're going to take this one quarter at a time. And I'm like, we're halfway through the season. We're updating these record predictions <laughs> because I was going through our season preview magazine and we need to update them because I don't think we feel the same way as we did then. And just to recap who had what um, in the season preview magazine, I had the bears finishing nine and seven. Brandon, you had them going seven and nine. And Nick, you are at nine and seven. And disclaimer: all of this was written pre-Cleo Mack, so these were our predictions uh, right before Cleo Mack was, of course, uh, 
traded here to Chicago. And just looking at the rest of the schedule, we have Lions, Vikings, Lions again, Giants, Rams, Packers, 49ers, and then we end against Minnesota. And just some tidbits here on this uh, schedule. These opponents, they have a combined record of 22, 27, and 2. Their average defensive rank is 15th. Their average points allowed rank is 19th. Their average offensive rank is 13th. And their average points per game scored is exactly the middle of the NFL at 16th. So what is going to be your new record prediction, Brandon? You are 7-9, so you have to go first. Yeah, I understand. But I just want to first of all say I'm surprised you didn't have any offensive players going to the Pro Bowl. Uh, but just for the final record, uh, for the final eight games, I haven't going five and three, which would put them at 10 and six, uh, kind of breakdowns, just some of the highlights, spoiler alert for tomorrow's show. The bears do beat the Lions in this one, but, but, uh, I have them losing to the Vikings after that on Sunday night, losing again on Thanksgiving. And then after that, uh, also losing to the Rams. So went against the giants, Packers, 49ers. And that last game against the Vikings, I think is going to be very, very critical to their season. Unless they beat them on Sunday night. Well, even then, it still might be critical at the end of the year. Uh, but regardless, that one is going to be a must win. I think they will have enough wind in their sails, enough gusto, uh, enough cojones. Uh, insert adjective here. Uh, grammar would be again. But uh, I think that that's one that they're definitely going to have to dig down deep to win. I think that this team definitely could do it. They're going to show us a lot in that one. So I have them going five and three, ten and six uh, for the whole year. Is that playoffs or no playoffs? I must know. Uh, that is playoffs with a win over the Vikings. Bam. Like it. What about you, Nick? Nine and seven originally, uh, back in the wee days of August, which feel like yesterday yet a lifetime ago. And uh, now we're eight games in. How does that change your, uh, you know, projections going forward? Where does this Bears team end up when it's all said and done? So when it's all said and done, and I know my bold prediction, they go and you know sweep the rest of the division games. That's my bold prediction. But realistically, I see this team. I only see them losing two more games, and that's that's crazy to say. The Rams are going to be a tough game. But I just think they're more of a complete team. They, they've gone through some of the things that the Bears have gone through last year. So they, they know how to battle through adversity. So they'll win that game. Then that last game against Minnesota at Minnesota, the Vikings will win that. But the rest of the way, that this next three games, Lions, Vikings, Lions, I think the Bears somehow come out with three wins out of that. Then you have, um, you'll, go, you'll have the Giants. You'll have the 49ers in between there and the Packers, who are a team we don't know where they're going to be at, but it just doesn't seem like they're going to they're going to be the team that that they've used to being uh, towards the end of the season. So 11-5 is the ending record. That is definitely good enough to make the playoffs. Um, it's going to come down, I think, to that last game against the Vikings, who wins the division. But if you have 11-5, I think you're you're hitting you're in the driver's seat for winning the NFC North. So that's what I'm going to go with. 11-5 wins the NFC North. All right. I like it a lot. And for me, I'm actually at 11 five as well, which is that's the same record I have after the first quarter of the season. Uh, like Nick, you mentioned um, Rams Vikings. I think those are the two biggest tests. I think everybody knows that. And even though I anticipate those being potentially the two losses, I don't know exactly which Vikings game it would be personally. I would rather it be the first one. I would rather it be the one right after the Lions coming up because I would like to win the last game of the year and win on a strong note with my best foot forward heading into the playoffs instead of a loss. Um, but of course, there are two sides. Everything you can you can say that ending the year with a loss uh, could just kind of put a sour taste in their mouth that you want to find a way to get rid of once you come to the postseason, knowing that you're better um, than the opponent. So for me, I mean, it doesn't matter I, either way. I think they're eleven to five, and say they do end up uh, losing an extra one here. Say they do what we really pray never happens, and they lose to say the Giants. Okay, I know Nick, I know. But then if that happens, 
you better believe they come out there against the Rams uh, trying to shock the world, trying to get that back on track. So I think if they lose one of these that we're anticipating them winning, then they need to steal one of these games. Um, looking at the Rams, looking at the other Vikings game as well, down the stretch to still finish 11-5, and five, I think it's possible. Um, this team needs to dig down deep and figure out exactly how what story they want to write here for the rest of this season. But the schedule's in place. Like I said, 22-27-2, and two, and all the rankings for both sides of the ball are average. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. They're average. So if the Bears want to be better than the average team, you find a way to get it done. So for me, 11-5 is more than obtainable. And, of course, uh, that's playoffs as well. And I have them winning the NFC North. They've been leading it for the majority of this season. And by golly, I want to see them leading it when it's all said and done at the end of week 17 because I want an NFC North, uh, you know, one of those hats that you can get for winning the division. Mm-hmm. I want one of those because it's been too long since we've been able to say that we were the kings of the North. So for me, 11-5 is where I said they would be 40 weeks ago, and I still stand by that. Of course, it changed with two losses against, uh, you know, splitting the AFC East 2-2. Two and two. I thought they were going to go 3-1. and one. They just had to pick up a game somewhere, and I had them losing two divisional games. Now you better only lose one. So for me, 11-5. Any final thoughts, guys? Is, that, is this going to be your final thought? Yeah, this will be my final thought. Uh, for the schedule, uh, let's not forget Minnesota has a bye this week. So we pick up Minnesota on Sunday night coming off their bye week. Uh, so just something to keep in mind. That's kind of why I had them losing that one. Uh, I think Minnesota will definitely have their game plan in place. Uh, but overall, we should really be happy and excited where this team's headed. Uh, we'll just allude again to Nick's article. Uh, just... For the whole team in general, not just Jordan Howard and Leonard Floyd, they're ascending in the right direction. And as long as they continue to win and win uh, definitively and win some of these closer games that they find themselves getting into and just taking it one week at a time, not falling into the the T-word game, uh, I'm not even going to throw that word out there. I think if they can just take it week by week and just really focus and put teams away instead of letting them hang around, and if they do let them hang around and win these close games, it's really going to show a lot of what this team's made of. And I think that they can definitely do it, definitely make that playoff stretch. I think every game from here on is absolutely critical to making that run. Uh, figuring it out time is over. Uh, it's game time, so they need to they need to go. Game time. Game time. Like, wow, is this 2010? Feels like it. All right, Nick, how about you? Any yeah. final thoughts before we wrap up? I'm uh, I'm pretty much all wrapped up myself. 2010, the last time the Bears made the playoffs. I think that ends this year. Um, but just looking at it, this, is the Bears midseason report. Um, and with a lot of the grades that we put out here, I'd be happy with them. And I'm definitely happy with a lot of the, the grades that we gave for these positions. And that's going to be a huge factor as to why these Bears are able to finish out the season, these last eight games of the season. So for Bears fans, they should be happy where their Bears are at, atop of the NFC North at five and three. Let's see how they finish. This next three Three-game stretch, Lions, Vikings, Lions. It's going to be crucial for the season. But I think what we've seen so far, these Bears are definitely ready for it. So let's just let it happen and see where these Bears end up. Yeah, you know, 2-1 and one here is okay. 3-0, of course, is preferred. But 1-2 and two over these next three games would be just disastrous for uh, this team and what's to come. So for me, of course, uh, Brandon, uh, you talked about it in training camp. What's the word that all the coaches said in all the plays? What's going to be the mantra for the remainder of this year? Finish. Finish. It's all going to matter how the Bears finish down the stretch because even though we're here and we gave some very favorable grades for this Bears team through eight games, it's only eight games. It's only half a season. We've seen, um, not just here in Chicago, but across the NFL, teams that just fall apart in the second half. I don't anticipate being the case. I don't smell anything like that brewing here in Chicago, but 
They can't give up now. They're only halfway there. Stay hum- hungry, stay humble, stay determined, and hopefully good things are going to follow. So I'm very excited to see how the rest of the season uh, kind of shapes out, and I, I'm excited to share it with you, our listeners, as well. Um, every week, all week long, we're going to be here every single step of the way, like we are uh, pretty much 365 days a year um, now here on this show. So very excited to what's to come, and hopefully you are too. And that's going to do it for this episode. And I want to thank you all who are tuned in today, everyone who's listening to the podcast, no matter where you are worldwide. And of course, if you're watching, feel free to hand out your grades, your predictions, tweet them to us, email them to us, Facebook to them. I, again, to start a conversation, I love hearing from each and every one of you. Now we're going to be back tomorrow with our week 10 game preview. And we're going to explain how the Bears can come away with that first of their next uh, first win of hopefully their next, well, I mean, eight, honestly, right? Um, against the Detroit Lions and remain atop the NFC North and secure their second three-game win streak of the season. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.